deacon's wife all these years. Thank you, Robin. That song was written by Tom Hayes. He used to be one of the preachers we'd have in here for tent meeting years ago. And uh, it's a great song. Thank God for it. Boy, the emphasis today has been great. And I do have a message to just kind of go along with all this. And I want you to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15 this morning. It is my intent this morning to try to be a blessing and an encouragement to everybody here. And, uh, that's our goal, and we're going to talk a little bit about heaven today. That's always a good thing. Amen. I want to say welcome home to all our missionaries from Viacus. They had a great trip. I've heard a lot of great stories. They were a, 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 an encouragement to our missionary, Andy Sharpetta, his wife, Tristan, and their family. And uh, they, they saw 11 souls saved while they were there, and uh, a lot of, lot of work done. And so I won't say much more. They have lots to report. But I think next, not next Sunday's tent meeting, uh, but the Sunday after, the last Sunday, we have like a tent afterglow. We always add another Sunday, keep a couple of preachers and singers around. But I think it's the 29th. 29th we'll hear from, uh, we'll see a, a slide presentation and that morning, and we'll hear from a couple 
of the folks that went on that trip, but that'll be the 29th. But we're glad they're home safely. We're glad they had a successful trip. We're glad they were a blessing. And I want to say thank you to everyone that contributed in some way to help these young people go on the mission trip. And we ought to encourage that. We ought to fan the flames of that every time. Camp and mission trips can just change lives. And uh, thank you all for your sacrifices, your gifts. Uh, it was a blessing. Thank you, church. For I, We have a budget that we vote in every year to help with that, too. And thank you for your generosity toward these type of trips. They're worthy, and they're, they're a blessing. And they, they, do a great, they do great for the missionary, do great for those that go on them. So thank you, thank you, thank you, I say as pastor. In, in Exodus chapter 15, we're going to read a few verses. That'd be all right this morning and get into our, our thought. Exodus chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, and spake saying, I will sing unto the, uh, unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. And I will prepare him a habitation, my father's God, and I, I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains and also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand... O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against us. Thou settest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood up as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw uh, my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Thou didst blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, they sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is likened unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, and earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold unto them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Watch verse 16. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as still as a stone till the people pass over. O Lord, till the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. I like those phrases there. That last, till the people pass over. I want to preach today a thought that I hope you grab a hold of today and in the days to come as we Get in an old-fashioned tent meeting, and God works in our heart. And here's my thought. A people on the march. That's what we are. We're a people on the march. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to stand in this pulpit this morning and preach your word. 
I need power, Lord. I need unction. I need clarity of, of mind. I pray for our other services that you be with those that are ministering right now to the deaf and to the children. Lord, we're here in this auditorium together. We're sitting, Lord, with your word in our lap. And we're needing to hear from you. So I pray, dear Holy Ghost, you use this preacher. Arrest our hearts and our minds for a little bit, Lord, that we can hear from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A people on the march. We learn in our text today that the Lord wanted to bless Israel and benefit them. He wanted to set them free from the bondage they were in in the land of Egypt. And of course, by the hand of Pharaoh. We've read these verses so many times in our Christian life. If you've been saved any length of time. They're exciting. They're, they give us enthusiasm for, for when we're in our march and we're in our fight, amen, down here. Now, we need to remember that uh, they were captive for a long time, not just a little while, 400 years, according to the scripture. It's amazing to me. I've got some texts here we'll take a look at, but um, as I was studying for this sermon, I I come over those verses that tell us very distinctly that they were in bondage for 400 years. Uh, another one said 430 years. And that little discrepancy there causes some people that have an unbelieving heart, I believe, and that want to criticize the Bible. Uh, they want to try to break that all apart and figure that all out and tell you how the Bible's wrong. And really, I, I, I studied this week and found out there's some teachers teaching that the that the captivity of Israel was between 185 and 210 years. I, I didn't know that. Did you know that? But the Bible says 400. The Bible says in one instance 430. And you know what God was doing there? I think he was just generalizing, saying, hey, you were in bondage for a long time. And so I'm going to take what the Bible says. And for this long time, God caused the people of God to be under a great burden I heard a message the other night about burdens. We don't like burdens. Nobody signs up for burdens. But God uses burdens in our lives in many different ways. And I won't get into that today, but they were under a great burden. And eventually what happened is the Lord emancipated the people of God. And you may be under a burden today, but God will set you free. Oftentimes when we go through problems, like we think of health problems and people think, oh my goodness, health. well, health problems can happen to any one of us at any time. And we don't know how long those burdens may be, how long we'll carry those burdens, but one day those burdens will be gone one way or another. The Lord will emancipate us and we'll never worry about them again. The heartache and the disappointment and the darkness sometimes that people go through, which some of you are going through maybe presently, I want you to know one day God's going to set you free from all that. But right now we're in the nasty now and now. And there were days where the Israelites thought they'd never get out of Egypt. They'd never get away from their taskmasters. Amen. And so the Lord is giving us in this chapter the hallelujah chorus, if you would, of God's people rejoicing over Pharaoh and the armies of, Israel, or the armies of Egypt being destroyed by the powerful right hand of God. It's, a, it's a, really a psalm almost of praise unto Jehovah for what he did for the people of God. Now, this phrase spoke to my heart this week as I was preparing, till the people pass over. Till the people pass over. There's so much in there. The old timers used to talk about texts of scripture and they'd say that this text is pregnant with the truth or the knowledge of God. 
meaning full, meaning there's so much there if we just open it up a little bit. God has some truths for us that we sometimes don't get on the surface. And today, if we're not careful, we'll be kind of shallow Christians. We're not willing to study our Bible and to maybe listen to a good old-fashioned message. Hey, don't let, the, you know, tent meetings sometimes people think is, uh, tent meetings just a lot of yelling and shouting and praising God and singing and some shallow preaching. Hey, listen, there's some preachers coming our way. They're not shallow. I mean, they study the scriptures. They know what they're talking about. That's the kind of preacher I like to hear from. Amen. I was in Lansing the other night and heard uh, Brother Keith Gomez, and I liked the way he started his sermon. He said, he said, now I'm not an evangelist, I'm a pastor. And he said, I'm going to feed you tonight. And he said, the only way I know how to do this is as a pastor. He said, I'm not going to give you a little sugar stick message like some guys do come in to get their offer and leave. He said, I'm going, to, I'm going to help you. I'm going to preach some things that you need to hear. And you know what? I, I thank God for some of the preachers I know that are, they have that pastor's heart that wants to teach the Word of God and preach the Word of God and build their people. Here, God wants to speak to us about some things that are not on the surface, folks. Some of you are going through dark times. You need sermon every once in a while that will feed your soul and something else that will remind you that you're not just staying here. There's a deliverance day. The Bible says in Exodus 15, 16 about the redemption of Israel, he says, Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm they shall be still as a stone. I like that. Till the people pass over. Amen? Till the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. And until the time that we pass over, we're on a journey. And that journey's towards home. We're a people on the march. There's an old song written, we're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. The chorus says, the third chorus says, the hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets. Before we reach the heavenly fields or walk on golden streets. Hey, there's some things about this life that are sweet. And there are some heartaches and troubles and, and deep waters. But there's some sweetness too. But we're, we're always looking for that heavenly field, that golden street. And it's coming. And then the next verse says, And let our songs abound and every tear be dried. We're marching to Emmanuel's ground to fare Worlds on high. And then the chorus we like to sing. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching onward to Zion. The beautiful city of God. Everybody wants to go there. But nobody wants to go through the, the march. I wasn't military, as you can see. And I, you know what? The soldiers have to get ready for battle, and they march and march and march. Gene, did you march? Every day. Did you make those? You were a gunny, so did you make those young men march? Did you call them nice names? Did you, did you treat them like their mother? No, I didn't think so. Hey, he was making them hard, battle hard, battle ready. Amen. And we as Christians, we're on a march. And sometimes God allows things in our lives that aren't easy. They're oppressive and they're hard to deal with, but God's getting us ready. You know, we're not ready for the sacred sweets yet. We're not ready for the Mount Zion yet. We may think we are, but we're not. One day we're all going to want to be ready. When we pass over, it'll be in God's timing and God's way. We must trust him on that. 
I'm telling you today, it's exciting to be saved. It's exciting to know where I'm going. Something else, it's exciting to serve the Lord while I'm on my way. I mean, praise God, I get to do something for God. It's a, it's a thrill. It's, it's a privilege. Amen. But we got ahead of us a march. There's the march. We got to travel through this earthly life. Notice the words, till the people pass over. Till we pass over. We're going to go through different phases and parts of our journey, and we don't really know what's around the next bend. Nobody knows what's around the next bend. We think we do. We make plans. We make provision. But we don't know what's around that next bend. But the Lord does. I want us to consider the places and experiences that God's people Israel went through until they passed over. First thing I want you to see this morning is the trial of Egypt. Go to Exodus chapter 6 with me. Exodus chapter 6. I'll read a couple verses here. Exodus chapter 6 verse 1. The Bible says, The Lord said unto Moses, now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. Wow. See, we just read the end of the story, what he did to Pharaoh. But here the Lord's saying, hey Moses, let me, let me sit you down here and tell you what I'm going to do with Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. See, he said he's going to think he's the big shot and he's doing all, but I'm the one getting them out of Egypt. Verse 2, And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham and Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. Verse 5, And I have heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom Egypt Egyptians kept in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Listen, don't you ever think that God doesn't know where you're at or what you're going through? Don't you ever, don't you ever think that God doesn't care? Because he does. Verse 6, he says, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretch out of arm... Uh, a stretched out arm and I will uh, with great judgments and I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Now remember folks, it's been a long time under that burden. They were losing hope. They were thinking this is never going to happen. You know we live in a day today where many Christians say I don't know if the rapture is really going to happen. There's a lot of preaching going on today. It ain't going to happen. It hadn't happened. It's not like the world. Where's the promise of his coming? That's what preachers and churches are going left and right with that doctrine. They're forgetting about the, the rapture of Jesus Christ, the imminent return of Jesus Christ, because it hasn't happened yet. Verse 8, Now we'll bring you into the land concerning them which I did swear to give it to you, Abraham to, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it you for an inheritance. I am the Lord. Verse 9, And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, but they hearken not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Boy, for all they were going through, they just didn't believe Jehovah could do it anymore. There was a time in their life where they all believed it. 
But as time passed and time passed, and difficulty came, one thing, then another, they began to think, I don't know about this. And God said to his people, I'm going to deliver you. I promise you, one day I'm going to take you out of this place. Let me tell you what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Folks, we're on a march. But right now we're in the trial of Egypt. It's hard. It's difficult. Four generations of difficulty here. Over 400 years of bondage, of labor, oppression, persecution. In Genesis chapter 15 in verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision and saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And then he tells him in verse 13, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and I shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. God told him in Abraham's day, 400 years. In Exodus 12, 41, 400 years. Acts chapter 7, verse 6, 400 years. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 17, 400 years. I mean, we could look at so many verses, but for time's sake, I'm just referencing them. God says, I'm going to bring you out. He says, I promise you, I'll bring you out. But in that bringing out, there was a period of hard, difficult, arduous labor and suffering. <clears throat> they endured all the punishments of Egypt. The Bible speaks of hard rigor and beating and long hours and little comfort and extra labor put upon them. The Israelites remembered all the plagues of Egypt. And you say, well, that's, that's good. That was God. That was God chastening Pharaoh in Egypt in order to get them go. But listen, we don't think about this. They had to deal with his attitude when it hadn't come yet. The first plague, and the second plague, and the third plague. You know, Pharaoh wasn't happy about those, and who do you think he took it out on? On the people of God. They were fearful of many things. Fearful of the lash. Fearful of the abuse. Fearful of the pending death. Fearful of their taskmasters. Fearful, fearful. The Bible tells us we're not appointed under wrath. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're not supposed to be a people of fear either, but we get that way, don't we? If we're not careful, we'll fear we'll every little thing. But God is working, even though it may not look like it. God is laboring, even though we may not feel like he is doing anything. Because this is Egypt. This is the trial period. But God will deliver his people. He always delivers his people. They finally left the land of their captivity. And when they went out, here's how they went out. I like this. They went out with a high hand. Exodus chapter 14, verse 8. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. You know what that means? That means victory. That means overcoming. That means cheer. I told my wife, I got a picture from Dina yesterday, our grandson Micah had a soccer tournament. Last year we went and saw him play soccer. Their little soccer team was in the finals, and, and he was so excited, and they were going to get a trophy. And, and they said, boy, so I said, send me a picture. Send me some video I want to see. So I saw a little video of him kicking the ball, and they're going toward the goal, and they scored. And, I, and there's a picture of him, and Micah's going, yeah! 
got a trophy in his hand. Yeah! That's that word. Went out with a high hand. We do it to this very day. Sports, everybody goes up, slaps hands. Everybody, yeah, number one, we're number one. That's the meaning. Right now, we're going through difficulty and trouble. I promise you, dear saint of God, I promise you, there's going to be a day, high hand! Right now, we don't believe it. Right now, we, we can't conceive it. Right now, we, we wonder if it's ever going to take place. But it's going to take place! And I don't know when, we don't know when, but we're getting out of here with a high hand one day. Don't forget that. Now's Egypt time. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think of you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you what? An expected end. God knows the end. So I hope this message is encouragement. Yeah, you're in a trial. Yeah, it's Egypt time. But this isn't the end. Victory's coming. The second thing this morning I want you to see is triumph over Pharaoh. Boy, he was a bad dude. He was. We had a young missionary come through here one time. I think he preached on a, a, a bad dude in a bad mood. How many remember that? It was a young guy came through. And I thought, that's a great title. I hope he can preach a message, but it was a great title. He did a good job. Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, the Bible says, And I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Listen, when that was happening, the people are saying, when is it going to happen? Okay, you're going to, when is it going to happen? And some sitting here this morning, the preacher, when is it going to, I don't know. But I know it's going to happen. Next verse. And the blood shall be unto you a token upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood. I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. God's saying, I'm going to smite him. And here's what you do. You know, there's some things you and I need to be doing right now until he delivers. Things that we're supposed, we're supposed to keep the faith. We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to win souls. We're supposed to do the work of an evangelist. We're supposed to, we're supposed to serve God. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to believe in God even though we're going through Egypt. We're going through trial. God was going to... He'd given the people of God a promise that they were going to triumph over Pharaoh. And I'll tell you, at that time, they thought nobody could triumph Pharaoh. Matter of fact, in the land of Egypt, they all believed that Pharaoh was a god. Well, God took care of Pharaoh and his army and he said, they're floating in the water like stone. Hadn't happened yet, though. It was all possibility. It was all conjecture. But it happened. When they were going through Egypt in the trials that Pharaoh put upon them, they had to remember some. They had to remember the lambs that were slain. The Bible says there was a lamb for a household. Hey, I'm, by the way, do you have a lamb for your household? Picturing the Lord Jesus Christ, the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. A lamb for a house, the Bible says. You've got to have your lamb. You've got to have your blood sacrifice. Are you saved? Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ? Is your household saved? A lamb for a house. Mul 
Think, we, we don't think of this. The multitude of lambs that were slain in that time period. Multitudes of lambs were slain throughout all those... Four, 400 years, folks. 400 years. All the blood, all the gore, all the stink, all the stench, all the flies, all the mess. All that was upon God's people. Day after day. They remembered the blood, though, that was placed on the doorposts of their dwelling. God says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a hyssop, I want you to dip it in the blood, and I want you to put it on the top post and the side post. They didn't know it, but that was forming the cross. The blood of Christ. A picture and a type of what was going to happen. And he says, then the blood shall be unto you a token Upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass. Do you have the blood of Jesus applied to your heart's door? I hope so. Because God's looking for the blood. We're getting out of here by the blood. And then they remembered the departure. And listen, you know when the departure was? Midnight. Midnight. Folks, it's almost midnight. For any of us. Prophetically, it's almost Midnight. Living life, it's almost midnight, because I don't care if you're young or old, we're getting out of here one way, either the rapture or death. Folks, we're just a few tick-tocks away from midnight. Exodus chapter 12, I want you to read with me. Well, I'll read it if you can't get there, but if you get there quick. Exodus 12, verse 28. Here's what the scripture tells us. Last chapter 13, that doesn't make any sense at all, but let's go to 12. In verse 28, yes, he says, And it came to pass that at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, for the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat upon the throne, and to the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up at night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house which there was not one dead. Wow. Now we don't, we don't, we don't pause there. We just read it. All those Egyptian homes. There was not one home that did not see death. Wow. The cry, the tumult, the wailing at midnight. Midnight's coming. Are you ready? When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. We are getting delivered one day by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are right now, but in positionally, but practically speaking, we're just still going down. We're in Egypt. We're in the trial of Egypt. We're under the oppression of Pharaoh at this very moment. But at the stroke of midnight, at the right time, we're out of here. I say to you, weary pilgrim, it's nearing your test right now. We're on hold. We, I, I, I encourage you. When you're on hold in situations of your life, you don't know God's will. You're, not, you're trying to get the answer. When is this going to end? All I can say is hold out. When there's a pause button going on, hold out. Hang in there. Stay strong. Keep the faith. Psalm 5 and verse 3, My voice shall hear. Thou shalt hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. Psalm 30 and verse 5, In his favor in life, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. 
Psalm 59, 16, And I will sing of thy power, yea, I will sing aloud of thy mercy in the morning, for thou hast been my defense and refuge in the day of my trouble. Morning's coming. Nighttime's hard. I remember when we were raising our babies, they'd get sick and it seemed like, man, it was a long night, many long nights. Morning come and the fever would break. Morning come and they felt a little better. Joy comes in the morning. Then there's the test of the Red Sea, and I'll just mention these. Exodus chapter 14, 30, they're, they're facing the Red Sea. Pharaoh has had them captive, and he said, okay, you can go, no, you can't go, you can go, no, you can't go. You ever notice that it says that Pharaoh hardened his heart toward God? All those plagues, and Pharaoh hardened his heart toward God. Next plague, Pharaoh hardened his The last one, it said God hardened Pharaoh's heart. You better not mess with God. You better not consider the long-suffering of God some permission to do what you want. Because one of these days, God can say, okay, I'm done. He said to Pharaoh, I'm done with you. And God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and there's no turning back now. And they went forward, and they got, they got emancipated. He goes, get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you. And they went. They went out with a high hand, didn't they? Yeah, they did, victoriously. They're going out, and they're taking all their stuff. They spoiled the Egyptians. They had all kinds of jewels and jewelry. and They borrowed. That word borrowed means take from. And they, they took all that with them. They had the booty of Egypt with them. And they're going, and they came to the end of the road. Red Sea before them, mountains on either side. And then Pharaoh says, I've changed my mind. Let's go get them, boys. It's like an old western. And they come, and all that dust is flying up. People got to look back and say, oh, no. Oh, Moses, would to God you would have left us in Egypt. We had it made there. We had the leeks and the onions and the great things. And Pharaoh's going, what? Then they're saying, let's kill Moses. Let's get rid of Aaron. Aren't we like that? We're just like them. God put them in a place where they couldn't do anything for themselves, Brother Ken. You know why? Because God said, now Moses, lift up that rod and show my people salvation. Sometimes, you know, we, we're great. We love the victory. We love the, all right. But we don't like what it takes to get there. And one of these days, for all of us, we're going to, hey, I promise you, me and everybody in here, we're going to go out with a high hand. But I don't know what it's going to be like to get us out. Amen. That's, not the, that's, that's Egypt time. That's the trial of Pharaoh time. That's the test of the Red Sea time. And so these 400, these four centuries that they're under the burden, God completes the test, the trial. Their bondage is over. And I don't have time, but Exodus 14, read it this week, 21 through 31, and see that. Miraculous. And here's how God, God parted the water at the great sea. What a high-hand experience that was. And many of you have heard this. Maybe some new convert has it. Maybe somebody never heard this. But, you know, these, uh, these faithless people, they write about the Red Sea, and they don't believe it happened. And they say, you know what it was? It was called the Reed Sea. And the Reed Sea was, it, it, and they go back and they look at this Reed Sea that's very shallow. They said it was maybe up to the ankle tops or, or to the knee. 
but it was not the big raging sea that God said he can shield and the waters roll back. They said, that's a bunch of nothing. They said it was the Reed Sea. And, but they didn't realize, I heard this years ago, they didn't realize that God did a greater miracle if that was true, which is not. But if it was true, God did an even greater miracle because he, he, he drowned Pharaoh and his army in ankle-deep water. These professors sometimes are so stupid. They try to connect all the dots. God says, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than the heavens. A little puny man thinks he can discount God's word. I don't get it. But praise God, God brought him out through the water, which is a type of death. And folks, some hey, we may have to face that, but we're going through. They were, they were pursuing the army of Egypt. They, and Moses pointed that staff at, at God's word. And all of a sudden, the waters roll back. And we almost can't even imagine. But it happened. It really happened. And the Bible said that God's people went across dry shot. And when the last Israelite crossed over, God said, all right, here we go. And the water came. And that's what we just read this morning about Pharaoh's army and all his chariots and all his horsemen. They're all drowning in that Red Sea. How do you drown people in ankle-deep water? But anyway, God said, I'll deliver, and he delivered. Then, and then for time's sake, there was the tree of Meir. Remember, their yeah, here's the thing about Israel. They'd go through a trial. God would bring them through. Their faith would rise up, and they'd say, yeah, we, high-handed, oh, it's good now. And then you know what? Before they knew it, there was another trial. And then another deliverance and another trial. That's life. That's life. The tree of Myra in Exodus chapter 15. Myra. It got hard again. The journey got tough again. And I say to us, dear brothers and sisters, I'm a companion with you in life. And sometimes there's trials. Sometimes there's difficulty. We know that the Christian life is never meant to be a bed of roses. It's a journey. They're not all sunny days. We have storms. We have... We have difficult times. There are twists and turns, and yes, an occasional pothole. We understand that as Michiganders, don't we? I felt so bad for my son Joseph. He, he saved and saved and saved, and he had an old Chrysler that he drove everywhere, and I, I wouldn't even drive across the street, to be honest with you. But he just kept working, and he got him one of those BMW 750 class. I mean, I got in that thing, Tom, and the leather in there is just like, oh. It's just, my problem is I get in the car, but I can't get out of the car. It's a, it's a sports car, you know. Beautiful. First day he gets it. First day he gets it. He's going to go. He goes on to work. First day. Hits a pothole. Busts a rim. Busts a tire. Called and said, I, I call Uber. Uber's coming to get me. They're going to tow the car back to the dealership. Fix it. A couple days later, they call and say, it's ready. He goes and gets his car. That morning, he says, hey, going to work again. Goes and then he hits another pothole. Boom, boom, blows out two tires on the right-hand side. Second day he owned that thing. <laughs> Took it back in. This time, he hit the pothole so deep, it did damage to the front grill. All that had him in the body shop. Hadn't had the car. Three weeks, three tires, and all that work done. Gets it back. Guess what? Yeah. Goes on his way to dialysis. Boom. Busts another tire in a pothole. 
calls Uber, has it towed, taking the dialysis. That's a good day, isn't it? Bust a tire on your way to work, go to dialysis in an Uber, come back. I think he's busted five tires, and it wasn't even winter. Hey, folks, that's life. We're traveling on the road of life. And we're going down the road in this problem and that problem. Next thing you know, boom, a busted tire. Next thing you know, Paul busted. And all this costs time, money, frustration. Hey, that's what it was for Israel every time they turned around. Amen? Twists and turns of life, occasional potholes. The water of Myra was bitter, and the people were thirsty, and they were par parched, and they wanted a refreshing drink, and they, 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 they didn't want hardship. They didn't want any more problems. They didn't want another broken tire. But God's working. You know, and I know about this. God's working in my son's life, even though he don't like it. And guess what? He's working in mine, too. He's working in you. And you go, what did I do wrong? Hey, that's between you and God. I don't know. Maybe just God's making you strong for somebody else. They take those soldiers again. They wore those boys out. Why? They were making them battle ready. I'm glad for World War II Korean veterans. One for them, we'd have been in trouble. Right now, I fear what would happen if we really went. Right now, it's just name-calling and jostling around. But if there's anything serious, I don't know about our generation. I really don't. We're not battle-tested. They like said in Sunday school, we're, the, we're the, wearing the helmet and the knee pads and the elbow pad type of thing. Won't you kids go anywhere or do anything because you're afraid they're going to get hurt? Listen, I, I, better, I better quit on that. Israel went from one thing to another, didn't they? Ever been there? Wind been knocked out of you, you get back up and you go, and it happens again. Go to the doctor with all the anticipation, another test, another treatment. Susie Yerger had her treatment the other day, pray for me. You know, Cherry, another treatment, one more treatment. Katie, all through she's been through, another round. Amen. It's hard. Life gets hard. God will deliver. He will. And sometimes people get bitter and angry, lose faith with God. The, the waters of Myra were bitter, but you know what the answer was? You already know what I'm, you're already going here. They took a branch and they threw it in the water, a type of the cross of Jesus Christ. Keep the cross in the center of your bitter times, and God will help you get down the road. But I can't promise you there won't be another trial. We're marching to Zion, folks. We're marching to Zion. Next for them was the thirst of Mount Horeb, Exodus chapter 17. Much difficulty again. But then finally, in Joshua chapter 4, verse 23, there's the testimony of the crossing. They got the cross. But Moses didn't get the cross. Moses led him faithfully. But he couldn't go in. Somebody else had to take him in. Joshua took him in. And Joshua was a faithful man. He had learned well. But you know what? After Joshua, there was another leader and another leader and another leader. 
And Israel had their victory and Israel had their defeats. But there was an eventual crossing. And one of these days, folks, no matter what you're going through or what you're dealing with, there will be an eventual crossing and a victory and a celebration. I promise you, you're going you're gonna to have a high hand one day. I just wish I could show you that little picture of that little boy just so excited with his first little trophy. One of these days you and I are going to have that within our hearts so full of the rapture of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord and the victory of the Lord and, and the true happiness forevermore with the Lord. But right now you're in, Can you're, you're, you're in Egypt. And Canaan, I don't want to mislead you, Canaan is not a type of heaven because Canaan had, had, had battles afterward and giants afterward. Canaan is the victorious Christian life during the battles. And even though life gets hard, you can have some happiness and you can have some victory and you can have some excitement and you can have some joy in spite of what you're going through. But you have to keep the faith. We're marching to Zion, saints, and here's my thought today. Keep traveling. Keep the faith. Keep looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Keep marching, saints. It's not a time to quit. It's not a time to throw in the towel. It's not a time you come too far to look back. And I just want to encourage you today, keep marching. It's hard. I know it's hard. It's difficult. I know it's difficult. It's overwhelming. I know it's overwhelming. I've endured many things. Some things I haven't endured yet that some of you are going through. I don't know by experience, but I trust God. I've been through some things, and I got through. You will too. It's not easy. Jesus never told you it'd be easy. But he told them, I'm going to get you out of here. And I'm going to take care of Pharaoh. And you're going to get out with a high hand. Let's bow our heads. We're marching to Zion. We're people on the march this morning.